Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to the Box in One podcast. This is episode number 16. Wow. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lassiter, and, what up, yo? and the homie, Jeremy Hartman, a.k.a. AJ Hart. What up? And I am Jay Rich, the rec league legend. You know who it is. That's what's up. And we're going to just hop right in because we just had the closing ceremonies of the Olympics. We've gone through track and field, diving, all types of other sports, including soccer and sports that probably shouldn't exist in the Olympics, but they happened. And we had a great time watching them over the past several weeks. But the United States has won a lot of golds in this Olympics, and one person in particular has won plenty of them. His name is Ryan Lochte, but he might be known for more than just his gold medals for this particular season in the Olympics because he decided that he was going to act out at a gas station in Brazil and then lie about it. So everybody knows the story. This gentleman said that somebody held him up at gunpoint. Later on, Brazilian police caught him in a lie. He started to backtrack and say, I might have stressed the story a little bit. And I think that there was a lot of backlash because this dude flat out lied about something that he could have just told the truth about because they only spent like $50 to fix the door that they broke. But he decided that he was going to lie about it. A lot of people think or felt like he was trying to express his white privilege at the time, which means we can do no wrong. And others just felt like he was just a, including Olympic officials, just a kid doing kid things. I think the homie Jay Hart has something to say about that. And I think he has an issue with what happened with Ryan Lochte. So I'm going to throw it to you, buddy. What's going on? Yeah, I, I got a real problem. And he's 32 years old. So let's stop calling him a kid and call him what he is. He's a grown man. And it's not like this is his first time at the Olympics or his first time out of the country. He's been in multiple Olympics. He's been all over the world. I just think, like, really, like, to me, the first thing that came to my mind was he's a clown and he's a jerk. Because, like, just tell the truth. Like, okay, you're out. Had a little too much to drink. Y'all did some dumb stuff. Look, we're sorry. We messed up. We'll pay for the damages and move on. But now he going to lie, say they was robbed and then roll out and left his boys in Brazil. And it was a wall like, nope, I'm good. Like to me, like that's just it was it was not a professional move. Um, And, you know, some people will say, oh, you know, it's white privilege. Like to me, like that's just he's just a jerk. Like, there's no other way to describe that. Like, <laughs> I like I'm so angry at that. Like, there's so many things I could say in so many ways I could go with it. And I, you know, I don't know that I'll ever meet this man face to face. But like, I would have some choice words. Like, dude, like it's not that serious. Like, you messed up. Own up to it. But like, you're gonna fabricate a story, and the whole country was on edge anyway because of all the stories and the media reports about the lack of security and the crime and all that, and you're going to make some crap up like that. Like, come on, man. Like, 
and then roll out and leave the country while your boys had their passports taken and were detained. Like, it's just, it was a sucker move. Um, no love lost here. I hope the USOC punishes him, takes his gold medals. I hope they throw the book at him. Like, we all know it's not going to happen. But, like, I just don't, like, that is the type of stuff that I think whenever you travel abroad and to other countries and you hear people, you know, talk negatively about Americans or they're burning Americans in effigy, like, those are the type of things that give Americans a bad name because you go do that. And yeah, like part of it may have been white privilege, but part of it is I think like, Hey, we're American. They're not going to do anything to us. So like, I got some pretty strong feelings, but like he is not on my high list right now. We're not Facebook friends. (laughs) So, uh, he's a jerk. Um, and you bored Jay Hart is not very pleased with Mati. Now, I don't know, man. Taking gold medals, that sounds a little bit extreme um, in terms of what happened and whether or not it even has any bearing on what he did at the Olympics in terms of in the pool. So I'm not sure, man. I, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence on that. I don't think you should take his gold medal. My problem is that his statements show no contrition. Like they show a lack of contrition because you say I over exaggerated. No, that's called a lie, sir. Lie. L I E. It's definitely a smaller word and it's easier for you to use. And you might want to use that word when you flat out lied and told a lie. So I think that everything in his statement kept saying privilege. And people were like, why can't you just come out and say that? I don't know what I did. That was horrible. And I should have approached it differently. It's just the way he said it that had a lot of people up in arms because they felt like he was speaking from that place of privilege to where he just didn't feel like um, he was touchable, so to speak. And the whole thing just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I don't know if it it warrants taking the gold medal, but I do think that it definitely has tainted what he's done in the pool in terms of just character and who he is and is taking the spotlight away from a lot of other athletes who were, who were participating in the Olympics after that, because they, they featured the story several times on several nights. I was like, I'm getting tired of hearing about the person who lied. Like, okay, he lied and it was not great. And he came back and did this weird statement, but, I just want to watch the Olympics now. Like, I don't care about Ryan Lochte and those dudes. So it's just weird to me. What do you think, C-Lass? I had a couple of thoughts. Um, number one is, it put yourself in his shoes. Like, could you enjoy that gold medal? Like, if you seen it hanging up at your house, would that be something you were proud of or would, would it remind you of um, just your behavior at that Olympics? I'm not even sure if they didn't take the gold medals, that if that would be something that he could cherish. I don't think for me personally, I would want any insignia in my house that reminded me of how I acted in that situation. The greater thought I had was um, like, I just thought the language of just a kid was unfortunate. Um, And the thing that I thought about immediately was Tamir Rice. And the excuse was, oh, he looks so much older. And then to come back around and then say, uh, Lochte, you know, he's 32 years old and 
no, he's just a kid. He's doing kid things. I, I feel like that's where people were saying, like, come on. Like, how can it be both? Like, how can Tamir Rice look so much older, yet when Lochte does something, he's just a kid? Like, then, like, obviously, like, the deduction is if Lochte's a kid, then Tamir Rice was certainly a kid. Um, the third thing, if I was just to look at this story devotionally um, and just look at what happens when we aren't honest and he was willing to throw a whole country under the bus and this is boys, uh, just look at the fallout of that and just kind of trying to apply that to my life and say like, where are the Ryan Lochte like issues in me? You know, like where are those patterns of sin in my own life that are causing other people harm where like, I'm not being honest with myself or if I'm looking out for me first to the detriment of other people. So those are just kind of some of the things that like the thoughts that I had. See, Lance, I'm going to just say this. Okay. If you come up here, and all three of us participate in this legacy basketball tournament and we win. And then we find ourselves in a gas station in Chicago Ave and you throw me under the bus and return back to standing. We done. And we finished. Okay? No more podcast. Is you we can, finished or is we done? <laughs> you cannot pull a lock bee on me, okay? I just want to make sure that that's clear. That's clear. You know, you know, you be on that Red Bull sometimes. So I don't know what you do. Uh, once you get on it. Nah, fam. Listen, uh, so, you know, culturally, you know, um, there's some there's some rules. And ultimately, like, we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Scripture's our God. But the hood got some rules, too. And where those rules intersect and they don't contradict, like, we don't just violate hood rules for no reason. So, like, loyalty's big in the hood. So, like, even if you take that L, the one thing you can't do in that situation is leave your boys behind. You can't catch that flight without your boys. Like, that's 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 a whole nother issue in itself. But, like, that that would be very much frowned upon. I guess in, in the greatest sense in the hood, it would be a greyhound, not a, a flight. But, like, you can't <laughs> do that. You can't You can't get them greyhound tickets to get out of Dodge and leave your boys stuck in the mess. Now, that's respect, man. That's respect. Speaking of respect, man, you got to give it up for Allison Felix. This woman started the Olympics on one of the worst notes that you can start it on, thinking that you were going to win gold medal. And then someone enters the diving competition early in the Olympics and beats you out at the finishing line. So here's, <laughs> here, here she is sitting on the ground reflecting on her silver medal after someone just dove and got all types of rug burns in their, on their knees. And she's like, wow, this is how it starts. Then she comes back in the four by one, gets bumped, and her team seemingly is disqualified from the four by 100. And they're allowed to run again because she got bumped and they come back and win that gold. And she comes back and wins the four by four goal to become the most medaled Olympic woman in track and field in the history of the Olympics. I mean, you just got to give it up for Felix. You got to love the fact that she was able to put that initial um, loss behind her, even though she got the silver medal and come back and win two gold medals. That's just vintage. 
Allison Felix. So shout out to her, man. I appreciate her and I appreciate her faith and uh, everything she's done for the sports. What do you guys reflect on in terms of seeing Felix do that? You know, I I saw an interview with her today and um, Dan Patrick, and he was just kind of asking her about, you know, the ups and downs of, uh, of this Olympics. Um, and, you know, just the way she handled it, she was so gracious. Um, you know, it, it was like she understood, like, in life there are going to be, you know, triumphs. And then there are going to be failures. Um, she was very, very gracious. She was very humble. I think she's very thankful um, that her Olympics ended on a high note. But never at any point in the interview did I feel like she had any kind of animosity to um, the dive. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> she, <laughs> she expressed that it was tough. But like the way she responded and rebounded and the way she responded and rebounded when they dropped the baton, the four by one, um, like it's just it, Allison Felix is the opposite of Ryan Lochte. Like she showed pure class. She handled herself and conducted herself as a professional. Um, you know, she was mentally tough enough to come back from that, from those things and finish on a high note. And, um, you know, it's just hard to believe that she's 30 years old and, uh, you know, I remember when she first ran the Olympics and I remember when she was running in high school, like it's just crazy, but she was the uh, epitome of elegance, grace, class, humble uh, athlete. Um, I commend her for what she did, what she, uh, you know, she did as a team. Like I'm sure she would have liked to have an individual medal. Um, but I, I think at that point, anytime you win gold, you, whether it's on a relay or individually, like I think it's just as sweet especially knowing that this may be your last shot at it. Um, but I'm, I'm proud to say she's a country woman. What, what more can you say about it? She handled herself, handled herself with grace, and I'm thankful she was able to represent our country. Yo, so if we peel back the curtain, we do a little bit of pre-show, um, kind of get our thoughts together before. But Jay Rich, you should share just the analogy you had to kind of how um, the journey that she went through in um, the Olympics kind of mirrors our spiritual life with the audience. That would be dope. So even when I was thinking about that and seeing Allison Felix, I'm like, wow, that's just like the epitome of the spiritual journey of a lot of Christians walks. And I think and I'm willing to believe that Allison Felix properly understands what Philippians 4.13 means. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me doesn't mean that you're going to win every race in life. Like, you're going to fall short. You're going to lose some races. And you actually might lose some races by a close margin to where you feel just devastated. But the fact that she was able to get back up, pick back up, and um, graciously approach this team event, she went from being an individual who wanted individual medals to saying, okay, now I can work together on a team as a unit to win a gold medal. I mean, if that's not the epitome of the Christian's life, working together as the body of Christ, being unified towards one goal, um, I don't know what is. So just seeing that picture, seeing that picture play out on such a large stage and the way she handled it was a great witness to her faith, um, to who she is as a woman and to her savior, who Jesus is in her life. And I'm just grateful for her giving 
a lot of preachers, a lot of illustrations in the weeks to come, just seeing what she was able to do between that beginning of her journey um, going towards the end of her journey, which could speak to spiritual maturity and, and, you know, working together as a team to win that goal. So I thought it was great. Yeah. One last thought on the Olympics. If you're playing half court defense, there's no way you should get crossed up and Euro stepped in one possession in the middle of a half court defense. How did they let Durant hit them with the crossover and the Euro step against a half court defense? I couldn't believe it. RIP Serbian defender. So here's 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 something that really got to me today, okay? Because I, I was unaware of this this little tidbit of information, but now that I know, I, I found out weeks ago that my boy Hartman used to be a great aerobics in- instructor or um, something to that effect, which is great. But today <laughs> I found out like he's like the it's not even Comic Con. What's the video game version of it? He's like the video game tester researcher like he he gets video games to test and review for different companies and i'm like dude wait you're you're a video game tester too like there's so many layers to coach hartman i don't even know what to say or how to pull peel them back <laughs> so so i just need jay hart one to just tell me like how do you become that dude how do you become a video game tester can i have people send me free video games in the mail so i can play them like i need to be like you when i grow up so let me tell you let me ask you how can i be like you how can that happen well first of all they don't send them to me free anymore um they kind of cut that out so now you kind of have to purchase the game on your own and then you, you play them and write the reviews and send the reviews in. Um, it was sweet back in the day when they would send me a free copy of Madden in the mail. And, you know, I just play it and but like, oh, this is kind of dope. Uh, this, eh, this hasn't changed much. You just kind of write up what you see, what you think hasn't changed. Um, basically how I got started was there's a website. It's called operationsports.com. Shout out to my boys at Operation Sports, Chris Lanner. Um, they're a Virginia-based company based out of Woodbridge, Virginia, and it's basically an online site that deals with nothing but sports video games, and they posted an ad one time that they needed writers, um, and I kind of I responded. I was like, look, I've never really written anything before. Like, I'll send you copies of, like, papers that I've written, and they kind of put me on, and I became, once they found out I coached, I became kind of like the resident video game strategy guy um you know with 2k and nba live was like oh what do you think about this and like what strategies can you use in here and there so um it's just you know i enjoy playing video games um when my wife and i first met she was kind of like why do you spend so much time doing that but then after we got married she was like well i guess it could be worse you could be out clubbing or doing whatever so at least i know where you're at in your home and you know not doing anything too crazy Yo, yo, I need to ask you something, okay? So I, I've, I've written, I've read a lot of book reviews. I'm trying to figure out what a video game review like looks like. Is it like press mash X Y and, <laughs> and B at the same time and 
do the Contra code? Like what? No. <laughs> do you, what do you do to review video up, up, games? Down, down, left, right, <laughs> left, right, A B A B start. Exactly. Like, like what do you do? Like you kind of break it into categories, like gameplay, um, modes, uh, graphics, audio commentary. Um, like with the new Madden that's about to drop, like they've introduced like dynamic commentary and EA Sports, the company that makes Madden is releasing updates to the game with the commentary. And one of the updates they just released talks about in the game while you're playing, if you're playing as the Baltimore Ravens, they talk about how in the preseason game, they stopped the game and showed Michael Phelps race on the big screen so everybody could see it. So, you know, that's, you know, you review stuff like that and kind of put in anything new and take pictures. And now with the way PlayStations are set up, like you can capture um, screenshot stuff or capture video from the PlayStation and use it. So, I mean, it's just kind of neat. You break it down by mode and compare from year to year and say this has changed, this hasn't changed. So, um, and See, Lass, I'm going to need you to do something for me, okay? I need you to take take one for the team, okay? So, so for the podcast, I need you at least one weekend to go over to Jay Hart's house and play him in a game of Madden. And I need you to report back to me, okay? And and see if you get that 20-1-0 skunk in the first half that most Madden players know about. Because I need to know what he got over there on the sticks. All right, now look. I don't know nothing about video games. Look, I'm going to tell you, this is a prime example, though, of how... Video games have broken down barriers and walls. And Chris, I don't know if you remember this, but one point I took my, I think I had an Xbox or something, and I went over to Chris's house and we invited a couple kids over that we knew that went to high school. They're all older now, but we hooked up the video game system in Chris's house and we just invited those guys over and we played. Well, Chris didn't play, I played. Um, played those guys in Madden and like we really just chopped it up like it just had like conversation about like well, what do you think about this and um, you know scripturally this you know if you're dealing with these issues so uh, and I play a lot of video games with some of these guys online and like when you're communicating online like it's an opportunity like where there's an open door for me where they're like how come you're not cussing at the game didn't it make you mad and I'm like look like it's not that serious so it kind of opens up doors but um, you know it's just it's my little getaway from time to time, and it is what it is, I guess. Now, I, I, I got to beat my sons off the sticks now. Wow. Yo, <laughs> true story, though. I remember um, when I was uh, transitioning churches, and I was, um, our church has this thing called Friendship Sunday, but just remembering, I was like, um, there were people I wanted to reach out, and these are people, Jay Hart moved to the city that I grew up in, so I've been here my whole life. And even though we had like mutual friends, Jay Hart actually had a better chance of reaching those guys for the gospel because they were part of a community that gathered more that I was on the outside. And so I just remember telling them like, yo, use that, use that platform for the glory of God, like go game for the glory of God, because that's a community I don't have access to. Like, I'm not nice. I would get 21 owed a lot. Like we would be cutting them games off quick if it was me, but because you have a passion for it, use that passion redemptively. So go out, go stand outside at 1230 tomorrow. Get that Madden game for the glory of God, bro. (laughs) 
that sentence, like seriously, that sentence, go stand outside at 1230 in the morning. That is not going to happen. 1230 a.m. Anyhow, Jay Hart, God bless you, man. God bless your ministry. Um, and definitely I, I might have to go ahead and pick up the sticks for the sake of the podcast, man, so I can uh, do some bragging once I beat you online. And again, my screen name is Court Vision. And you don't want to mess with court vision. <laughs> don't want to mess with court vision. Yeah. Um, one of the things that just has been interesting to me is I feel like we're getting a good grasp on sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. But I really wanted to um, take another step and really start answering some questions, especially um, theologically based questions that really had a practical answer to them. One of the things um, I know a lot of young people who might be able to rock with us when we talk about sports and uh, Christian hip hop and stuff like that um, might be wrestling with, like, how do I find a church? Like, how do I know I'm finding a good church that's healthy? And like, I'm interested in growing in Christ. And I know the church is supposed to be part of that. But how do I know I'm in a church where that's going to happen? So, Jay Rich, I would love if you could break down some of that for us, for anybody who's listening and say, like, Hey, how do I how do I find a good church? So, yeah, man. Uh, well, let me just preface this by saying I love the local church um, and love being part of the local church and love just seeing how it impacts community. So I think that this is a huge deal. And for anyone who is considering not becoming part of a local church and you're a Christian, I just want to encourage you that, you know, online attendance and online um participation in the church is not the same as connecting to a local body. Like you can't really have a podcast pastor. Like you need to be connected to a local body. And one of the things that that has been a big deal for my family as we moved over the years, we've been pretty nomadic in terms of what we've done over the past seven years. I think we lived in over six cities. And in doing that, we've always tried to connect with a local body. And it hasn't always been easy. Both my wife and I are seminary trained, so there are some expectations that we have coming in in terms of just uh, theology and praxis of the church. So here are some of the questions, and it's not an exhaustive list. I'll post one on um, my website come in the coming days. But here's some questions that you might want to start considering when you're talking about connecting to a local church. And the first seems obvious, but it's not really too obvious, which is, is this church gospel-centered? And that that phrase has come up a lot over the years, and a lot of people are using it now, but it's not anything new. Like, the gospel has always been the gospel, and it's always been about the gospel when we're talking about a redemptive message and God's redemptive plan um, and what God is doing here in the earth. So the question that you need to ask about the church, is it gospel-centered? So that means is the music gospel-centered? Am I singing more about myself or am I singing about the creator and about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us as a congregation? Are we singing congregationally or am I singing individually in the church? Um, the way that the music ministry selects the songs um, is really helpful in determining whether or not you're gospel centered. And some churches just so happen to do it better than others. So you might want to think through that, think through the songs, think through the sermons. Do the sermons have one source of hope? Is Jesus Christ the source of hope in those sermons? 
And you got to make sure that the biblical text that is read in the morning is actually the text that the person preaches on and uh, make sure it's not necessarily personal opinions or anything else outside of what the text actually says. So that's how you need to determine whether or not a church is gospel centered. And the other thing I want to mention, I have seven of these, so make sure you go check them out um, on the site, is do you really think that the church is involved in the community? I think this is really huge because a lot of churches are commuter churches and they have people who drive into the church and then drive right back outside of the community. And a lot of churches say, oh, yeah, we're actively involved locally in this community. But the best people who know whether or not they are are the people in the community. So you might want to get out, talk to some retailers, ask them what they feel about the church, how they feel about, you know, the church's members, church's staff, because the staff probably eats in the local community and how they're connected to the community. I think that's really helpful in going a long way in trying to figure out, is this church a church that I should consider becoming a part of um, in terms of seeking out a local church? I have a couple of others, but I wanted to see if you guys had any additional thoughts too in terms of seeking out and looking for a local church community. Uh, Yeah, I mean, first, I would just say, I gotta amen everything you just said. I know you have some more things on your list, so I'll wait. Even though, like, I've had a glimpse of the blog, don't want to give anything away. But um, Spurgeon's quote: um, "If Christ be near a church, that church must pray." Um, so I think um, a church with a missional focus for the city, like, will also be a praying church. So just evidence of what you're talking about: a church that cares about its city and is involved in its city should be a church that's praying for that city. You know, when uh, you start talking about community um, within the church, I'm reminded of um, Francis Schaeffer's quote um, where he says, our relationship with each other is the criterion that the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. You know, he said Christian community is the final apologetic. Um, You know, it just, I think, in order to find a great church, a good church that's out there in the community, like it is necessary to, necessary to go talk to folks um, and, and kind of see where it's at, because ultimately um, you want to be a part of a church that does has a does have a great impact on the community and is out there and, you know, um, evangelically out there and and just kind of helping and doing those type of things. So, um, you know, to me, that speaks volumes as well when you talk about um, are they involved in the community and are we as a community out there making a difference? So this segment is a segment that we like to call Sorry We Missed That. And that's stories that we probably missed before the podcast came into being. And for this segment, we're going to transport ourselves back about nine years to the city of Jacksonville, Florida. And as you may know, college football season is upon us. Whoop, whoop. And I am a huge Georgia Bulldogs football fan. So you're going to hear a lot of Georgia references in the next several weeks of the podcast. Sorry. Um, that's just how it is. Just going to happen. And I want to talk about the 2007 Gator Stomp. What is the Gator Stomp? That is when, after Georgia, who was playing Florida at the time in October, scored their first touchdown, they had permission from the coaching staff, including the Christian Mark Richt, 
<laughs> to get a penalty by the having the entire team run down to the goal line and stomp on the Florida Gators sign on the goal line to show the team unity, to show that they were ready to play this game. And they got a huge penalty, which caused them to kick the ball off from like the five, their own five yard line or something crazy like that. So Mark Rick and his staff intentionally said, hey, when we score this first touchdown, y'all go stomp on those Gators. And that's exactly what his team did. We went on to win that game. I, I did say we. Yes. 42 to 30. Sacked Tim Tebow six times and made it happen down there in Jacksonville, Florida. Do you guys remember the Gator Stomp? <laughs> yes, of course we remember the Gator Stomp because we were like, yo, we just seen the whole hood running and we was like, what is going on here, yo? I don't know what is going on. And um, full disclosure, I know uh, Jay Rich is a huge uh, dogs fan. I have a lot of family members on my wife's side that loved Mark Richt, um, talked about what a class individual he was, talked about um, how maybe some SEC teams didn't play with the same level of morality that they did and would pick up players consistently that Georgia released from the program. Um, but they always loved Rick. So it was a little bit surprising knowing Rick's history that he would have been the one. I think the backstory was he just felt like his team needed to have more fun and play with more passion. And so he did something he thought would charge him up, but it just came out of nowhere. And we just seen everybody running and it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> to see those big defensive linemen out there, man, just dancing and stomping. It was great. That was a great moment in Georgia football history. I think Jay Hart was going to say something about the Virginia Cavaliers, but then he got depressed. Oh, first of all, I'm not a Cavaliers fan, so I wouldn't get depressed. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we're going to move into our next segment, which is what we're reading and what we're listening to, which we share our resources, what we've been reading for the past week or listening to for the past week with some of our listeners. And we're going to start with my man, Jeremy Hartman. What you been reading and listening to, bro? What I've been listening to, I've really just been listening to some Derek Miner, um, the 1014 EP that he dropped. Um, kind of going back, still listening to some DJ official, still touching on some Lecrae, some Andy Mineo. It's just kind of mixed. Like anymore, I create a playlist and just kind of put some songs on there and just put it on a shuffle. So whatever hits, hits. Um, so that's really what I've been listening to. For me, what I've been reading, I'm finishing up the Tony Evans book, but I've also started another book called Evicted. And so as we kind of look about what's going on in the world, we've kind of like stopped and seen uh, Louisiana, the floods. Obviously, that's been huge. And those stories have been heartbreaking. But also in the news, a lot has been the city of Milwaukee. And um, as people were saying, like, if you want to get a really in-depth look at um, one of the poorest and one of the most racially divided um, stories like or cities in America, you need to read a book called Evicted. And the book just follows these families who um, continually rent homes and continually get evicted. It follows three families and I think two um, landlords. 
And I've read the first two chapters. I fell asleep reading it because I was forcing myself to read more and more. The book was so good and I didn't want to go to sleep. But um, the book has been super enlightening on poverty and um, just remembering our call to the poor as Christians, um, not just to meet their physical needs, but um, also to be in relation with them because they are image bearers of God as well and level that field. Um, so that book has been great. Language is a little harsh in it at places, but um, the narrative of the book is great. And I'm listening to Derek Minor a whole lot. So thanks for putting me on to that. That CD, that, that EP is fire. I love it. So it's good. I'm reading a new book. Well, not a new book, but a new book in my library. And it is by H.B. Charles. And it's called... I love H.B. Um, Charles. Man, he's great, man. I love H.B. Charles. He's great. He has a pastor's heart. And because he has a pastor's heart, I wanted to read his book on pastoring, which I believe... I mean, he's been pastoring since he's been a kid, dude. So... <laughs> when when somebody when somebody now has a kid, Ryan Lochte. Exactly. Not 32, buddy. Um, so it's a short guide to living, leading, and ministering as a pastor. And I just wanted to hear his thoughts on it. He's great with illustrations. And just hearing his story in the book, I think is gonna be good. I'm a couple of chapters in, but it's been good so far, a good read so far. He's been talking about his experience as a young pastor. And his call, so it's 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 going to be a good read, and I I really appreciate everything that H. B. Charles has written. I re read his book on prayer, and have his other book on preaching, which I plan on reading as well. Which he shares some tips on how he prepares for for preaching. I listen to his own preaching podcast too. So uh, Charles is is one of the podcasting homies. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been reading. We should try to get him on the podcast. We should, man. We should. I might have to reach out. HB, holla at your boys. Holla at your boys, man. And what I'm listening to, man, I've been just been on my podcasting, man. I, I love uh, this newchurches.com po podcast. I've been listening to a lot of episodes with Daniel M. and those guys over at newchurches.com. They have a lot of good conversations about what church looks like. I just wrote a post about the five mission no church myths that they did an interview with uh, J.R. Woodard with. And uh, it was a great church, great uh, podcast about missions and mission, missional churches, which is another quote unquote fad, but it's something that a lot of churches are rethinking in terms of what mission looks like. So shout out to the new churches.com podcast. Been uh, filling my morning commute with, with that podcast, that particular podcast. We want to do some shout outs, closing shout outs. I got to hop on first on this one. So um, today we're recording this podcast and in a few days, my daughter will be headed off to James Madison University. I have four daughters with a son right in the middle and our oldest is headed off to James Madison University in just a couple of days. Definitely bittersweet, super proud of her, ready to see her take the next step in her life. Sad to see her go. She's been a joy in our home, and um, it's going to be emotional, I know. Shout out to your daughter, and shout out for you, to you um, for officially being a dad of a college student. Yeah. 
You're getting old, buddy. Very old, bro. So, um, shout out to a new vocabulary term, phrase, pulling a lochty. Uh, that's going to be the new <laughs> phrase for at least the next five months. Appreciate you, <laughs> appreciate you, Ryan Lochte, for hooking us up with a new phrase. No doubt. Shout out to Madden dropping on Tuesday and me and Chris's first game with the wizard over there <laughs> who, <laughs> who found out all the Nintendo cheat codes apparently and now is a Madden wizard. So looking forward to playing Jay Hart. Shout out to you, man. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to our, our local GameStop who's having a midnight release for Madden and hosting a Madden tournament. Um, they usually throw some pizza down and people just kind of hang out and have a good time. A um, couple of the kids, Chris, that we know from uh, the high school here will be out there. I saw their name on the list, so it'll be good to catch up with them. And to top it off, to end it all off, I'm just going to give a big shout out to the Lord because um, I let you guys know my wife and my youngest son were in a car accident um, Friday and the van is totaled. But other than like some bumps and bruises, my family made it out a OK. Um, Amen. The, Lord, the Lord was definitely watching over them. Um, so big shout out to him. I'm thankful for his grace and his mercy. So that's where I'm at. Hey. What's this? Zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three. Yo, that's the that's the Mike Tyson code, cuz. That is the Mike. We gotta end the <laughs> podcast letting listeners know how they can skip Super Macho Man and get straight to Mike Tyson. Wow, wow. This guy with the Mike Tyson code. That's the last video game I ever played. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's been episode 16 of the Boxing One Podcast. We appreciate you guys for joining us. As always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review, leave us some ratings. Also, follow us on Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. We really appreciate you guys joining us every week. We definitely love chopping it up with you all, and we can't wait to move into the fall season. There's a ton of stuff going on. So, once again, This is Jay Rich, C. Lass, and Jay Hart. Peace out.